Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, LeBron James was kind of a late scratch. Uh, Anthony Davis made a big-time return to big-time games, and yet the Lakers got blown out. The biggest story, even bigger than the result of the game, is that Anthony Davis played against Joel Embiid and didn't just play him to a scratch. I thought AD was clearly better than Joel Embiid uh, last night. And look, if, if AD is capable of that, and by the way, like the, he, he's not going to do that every night, uh, but him getting up for this matchup and playing like that only a game removed from a month-plus-long layoff is incredibly promising. Uh, and while the result matters, <laughs> uh, because like the results are always going to matter here. This is a team that is going to be fighting for playoff positioning and, and all of that, so all of these wins are seriously going to matter. It's more just a matter of like, all right, what is the bigger takeaway from this? Is it at all surprising that the Lakers lost to the team with the best conference in the Eastern, uh, best record in the Eastern Conference without LeBron James? That's that's not exactly, you know, right home to to mom and pops kind of news. No, the big thing here is that Anthony Davis looks spry. He had a couple plays where his his wrists and his elbows were above the rim. Uh, he looked comfortable. He was attacking early in possessions, uh, and and I thought defensively was was back to some of the stuff that we were seeing from Anthony Davis uh, pre injury and and maybe even bubble. Uh, you know, we, we we this was as close to bubble AD as we've gotten in a little while. So yeah, it would have been nice to win. And we'll talk here in a bit about how not competitive the Lakers were even while AD outplayed Joel Embiid. Uh, this was, this was like, the fact that AD was capable of this uh, is, is exactly what you were hoping to see. All that said about AD, we got that great game from him. He outplays Joel Embiid. They're playing against, by the way, a shorthanded Philadelphia 76ers team. They still aren't playing without Ben Simmons. And even though they are at the stage of the season where they basically know that they're going into it, you don't have to make the adjustments that the Lakers have to uh, make when they're missing LeBron. They weren't, Philly was not playing with, with Seth Curry. Uh, and this is a, a Philly team that, has had its struggles here and there as well. Um, the fact that the Lakers got that kind of a game from AD and just weren't even competitive with Philly is is quite a bummer. It, it really is. It's it's just it's tough to see the Lakers just kind of I don't know. Like I I found myself this was the most apathetic. And again, like expectations play a role here. This was the most apathetic though that I have been about the Lakers just getting kind of mollywopped for stretches of a game uh, that I've been in a little while. It was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is kind of to be expected. And it sucks that that is uh, occurring on a night where AD goes off like that. And again, it just kind of goes back to while Russ uh, 
I think I think the conversation about him is kind of ridiculous on both sides of it. The the stands are ridiculous because stands are inherently ridiculous. And then I think some of the detractors get a little too loud um, on that end of the spectrum too. But this is the kind of night where like you get that kind of a game from AD. All you need is like a okay night from Russ and his turnover to ratio or turnover to uh, assist ratio is two to one. Like that's not great. And then, you know, elsewhere on the roster, your next highest paid player after the big three is Taylor Horton Tucker. And he gets out there on the court, man. And I just, like, it's not just that he didn't make progress this season that, that, uh, was commensurate with the expectations because of the contract and because the Lakers thought that they would be able to get away with him uh, instead of Alex Caruso. It's not just that. I I think he's legit regressed. Like, you watch him out there, and, and the defense, like, his on-ball defense is still fine. Team defense is still a struggle. He, he doesn't really know necessarily when to shoot. He just completely has ignored his left hand. There were multiple times in last night's game where he's going to the rim and if he just attempts it with his left, he has a chance at finishing through with an N one. Whereas, you know, he either gets blocked outright with his right hand or he gets fouled and has no chance whatsoever of converting that into an N one situation. Or he just misses because trying to finish with his right hand on the left side of the basket, given some of the angles that he's taking is incredibly difficult it's just, you know, he finishes the game seven points on two of eight of shooting, only a couple assists, no rebounds. Like, this is this is a guy that the Lakers were, were kind of penciling into all of their crucial lineups. And, and this is a guy that the Lakers had no problem whatsoever leaking. Look, we had to make a tough call here because of financial reasons between Caruso and THT. And we went with THT because of the upside and all that. Like, he just, he needs to be better. I, and and I don't know what it's going to take. This was the night, like, all right, LeBron is not there. You're going to get a few more lineups out there where it's on you. You get you get a little bit more creativity. You get to, you get a little bit more uh, room to, to explore out there. And it's just, it's, it's... <laughs> I don't know. I I feel bad saying all this about a 21-year-old because we shouldn't have this kind of expectations on a title team for a 21-year-old, but that's the situation that the Lakers put this guy in, and he just clearly is not ready for it. Last little note here on this game, and it might just all be moot because maybe LeBron is ready to go uh, tonight against Charlotte, but if he isn't, ready to go, then it really becomes all the more important that that Frank Vogel goes away from uh, Avery Bradley. Uh, I understand the notion of wanting to have some defense out there on the perimeter because you don't really know what to expect from Russ, and you aren't going to get it if you're starting uh, Malik Monk. But the steps, like the the all of the, the backflips and the contortions, uh, mentally that you're doing to convince yourself that Avery Bradley is this great defender. It, it It's just not the case. And if you are out like AD is going out there, he's playing out of his freaking mind. And you look up at the score and the Lakers are up like two to three points. 
even while he's dominating all facets of the game. And it's because, like, it's all AD. That's <laughs> You're not getting anything else from from anyone else. And Russ is going to start because you have to start the guy making 44 mil. And if you're, you, you, you can't play Trevor Ariza and Kent Bazemore at this stage because they clearly are done. So your only other choice there is between Avery Bradley and Austin Reeves. And like even even like it, it, it's it's all it's indisputable that with fit on this team, I think Reeves just fits what the Lakers need more. I think we've reached the point though where I think Reeves is just a better player. And if you have a limited resource of like good NBA players available to you to start the game, then the best ones should start. They're going to get the most minutes alongside each other. And and you make it work elsewhere across the rotation. And if you're trying to keep Avery Bradley in there for continuity's sake, then you basically already decided hell or high water, no matter what Avery Bradley does, this guy is just going to be a starter. Then that's that that runs counter to the culture of competition that the Lakers were hoping to get back to this year. If we have reached a point where Avery Bradley can do literally nothing and there is nothing else that anybody else can do to take a starting spot away from Avery freaking Bradley, then what <laughs> what are we even doing here? It's just it's 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 a it's a blind spot in Frank Vogel's game planning. And it needs to be fixed. And and look, I hope that this is all moot and that LeBron starts and you can get away with having Bradley out there because a lineup with LeBron and AD is normally good enough to be able to, to make it work despite having zero type players on, on the court like Bradley is. But if LeBron can't go, and we're going to be watching that situation closely here because if he misses this next game... It might be time to be a little nervous. But if LeBron can't go, then you really have to optimize every second that Anthony Davis is on the court. And if you're just kind of hoping to get through the first seven or so minutes of Anthony Davis's night, then like it's it's that's just not what a starting lineup should operate has that's that's not the point of a starting group all right that's going to do it here for this episode of the lakers lowdown uh things to look forward to obviously the hook here in a little bit i do want to remind you guys to get your questions into itunes for tuesday's mailbag slash spaces episode so uh, that was a lot of fun last time looking forward to building on that this upcoming week uh, check out SilverScreenAndRoll.com for further coverage of that game and for up-to-the-minute updates on LeBron's uh, left knee. <laughs> I would offer mine, but his left knee, I said on the on, on Lakers Lounge here with Harrison, uh, which you should also check out, I think that left knee belongs in the Hall of Fame by itself. Uh, so if I offered my left knee, there's a good chance that everybody would be all the more angry at me because my left knee is not capable. No, this is way too much knee talk. That's it. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'll talk to you tomorrow.